Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Giving mad people good ideas, I keep giving mad people good ideas, I keep giving mad people good ideas, I keep giving bad people good ideas. I gotta stop screwing around. Okay, hello. Royal Deluxe Podcast. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Hope you're doing well. Fans for Sports Network, thanks for having me. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Big stuff is happening with the Royals. Oh my god. And I'm in a... I want to say I'm in a better mood because some actually good things have happened with the Royals. But of course, as we all know, we we know how this season has gone. It's the same old song and dance. Once something really good happens, it's immediately followed by something really, really bad. So we will talk about the three-game series against the Minnesota Twins that the Royals just played. A series that they won completely without fail. The Royals, for the first time in 2023, have won three games in a row. And also, they just so happen to sweep a team as well. Imagine getting swept by the Kansas City Royals. Imagine being a team called the T-Wins and then rebranding your logo so that it looks like an upside-down W, and then getting swept by the worst team of all time. Couldn't be me! And then the Royals decided to sneak in a little a little thing. They were thinking, oh man, everybody's so happy, everybody's all distracted, we're going to do something extremely freaking stupid and trade Nicky Lopez to the Atlanta Braves for a pitcher. You can already tell how I feel about this. We'll get to that later. But first, let's talk about some actually good stuff that happened. Oh, man, was this like the best week weekend of Royals baseball all year, without a doubt. Actually, first of all, before we get into that, I actually have to mention, uh, Nick Prado was put on the 10-day injured list on Friday with a left groin strain. But since it's a 10-day stint, I'm hoping that this is kind of like the Edward Olivares sprain like a couple weeks ago or a month ago where it's, it's you know, it means it's IL worthy, but it's not so severe where it will take away a large amount of time from him. So if it's only 10 days, it must be a pretty small thing. So hopefully we'll see Nick Prado up again pretty soon. Especially since the Royals just traded their like a uh, third 
first baseman, Nicky Lopez. We really need first baseman now. And so um, in replace of him, uh, in place of him, Samad Taylor has been called back up. Samad Taylor, we've seen him a lot. We're going to continue seeing him going forward, especially since the Royals just traded their other left fielder, Nicky Lopez. <laughs> Samad Taylor is the Nicky Lopez replacement, I suppose. All right, so that's the. I think that's all the roster moves we've got for this episode. So Friday, Royals played the Twins one eight to five, thanks to a Bobby Witt Jr. grand slam. Payoff pitch. Except I'm going to come totally not build off of that whatsoever. Instead, I'm going to talk about some things that led up to this thing happening. First of which is Brady Singer going five innings, giving up two earned runs, two walks, ten strikeouts, though. Like, what? Okay, that was... This may maybe could have been one of the better Brady Singer starts this season. I mean, it was one of the better ones, but it could have been like one of the best ones. If not for some weird... Dumb stuff that happened throughout the game. One big thing is that uh, I think it was Willie Castro on the Twins stole home because there was a, it was a runner on first. It was runners at the corners. Runner on first, stole second, and they decided to prioritize that. They threw to second, and then Willie Castro took off for home, and they just, just like completely confounded the entire defense. Nobody in the infield had any idea what to do in this situation. You just let him steal second. It's not a big deal. You don't want him to steal home. Like, this is, like, textbook, isn't it? You just, like, just give up the give up the free runner, whatever. It's fine. In fact, this is a, often why you will see an intentional walk given to guys when there's a run on first and, se- on, on first and third or just second and third so that you can still have the double play option. But, like, stealing second in this situation is extremely common. Why are you worried about second getting stolen? Worry about the runner on third instead. Um, and then also, I think in the next inning, there was like a reach on an error by him. And then he hit another batter immediately afterwards. It was like some some very small unravelings and just dumb mental mistakes, I think. I think that was really the issue with Brady Singer on uh, Friday more so than his actual pitches because his pitches were really good. I think he threw the changeup 11 times, seemed really comfortable with it, seemed really confident in it. Yeah, Brady Singer is really building something in the late game of the season. Late the or I guess we're not really that late into the season, but just the midsection of the season so far. It's put this puts his ERA at 3.92. Over his last 11 starts, 64.1 innings pitched. And a 3.34 FIP as well because he's not giving up the long ball very often. Only four home runs in these last 11 starts. And also, 328 BABIP. So he's not even getting particularly fortunate. It really does look like Brady Singer is trending upwards. He has put together a solid stretch of starts over the last couple of months. Basically, since May, he has been pitching quite exceptionally. And we really really need that. We need more guys to do this as well, but at the very least, you know, we were expect we were counting on this from Brady Singer if no one else. So, it does seem like he is finally reliving up to expectations, I suppose. Actually, speaking of uh pitching, I should have mentioned that um the Royals like very casually mentioned that Brad Keller had returned from his rehab assignment. We haven't seen him. Oh, he's on the 15-day IL. Wait, when did this happen? What is Oh my god. <laughs> Did he get injured again or is it just baseball reference not updating it? Okay, maybe that maybe that's actually the case cuz he hasn't pitched since um July 25th. I don't really know what the deal is with Brad Keller. Like I okay, hang on. Rotowire under undergoing further testing. Oh, Keller will receive further testing after his right shoulder discomfort returned. Oh, I didn't. Huh. I okay, so that's what's going on with him. I felt like mentioning that, but that was a uh, weird. I I'm gonna be honest. I don't really care all that much, but it is, but it is kind of one of the plot lines of this year. Brad Keller and what's gonna happen with him in his final year of team control. Uh, looks like the answer is not a whole freaking lot, frankly. 
but whatever. Just felt like mentioning that, if nothing else. So Brady Singer pitched pretty well. He pitched he pitched decently, but only going five innings. That means you have to go through four innings of this bullpen of whoever is in there. And uh, yeah, that's not a whole lot of fun, frankly. And uh, but but you know what? It was fine for a little while. It was fine for a bit until the ninth inning. Ninth inning, Scott Barlow comes out. All right, let's go, Scott Barlow. Let's got let, let's go, Scotty. Let's uh. Let's, uh, you know, this might be his last appearance as a Kansas City Royal. He gives up a leadoff single. Okay, that's not very good. Then he gets a ground out, so that's fine. He gets, he gets, he gets a ground ball out, fine. Then he hits a batter. Then he gives up a walk. And then he gets an infield fly. Okay, so we're fine. Bases loaded, one out. Now his bases loaded, two outs. Okay, cool, fine. Two run double. Twins tie the game in the ninth inning. Why why can't things just be good? Like like Scott Barlow, why? What happened? What happened to this, to this man? You know, I I'm seeing lots of mixed opinions about how tradable Scott Barlow really is. I see some people saying, "Oh no, the last couple of weeks haven't completely tanked his value because you know, he still has those two really great seasons from before and he was basically fine throughout this season so far." But I don't know. I also see some other people saying, uh, yeah, Scott Barlow, like, no one wants him anymore. I don't know. I mean, he only has a 10 ERA in the month of July. So, you know, that's pretty cool, I suppose. Um, so, well, actually, sorry, it's a 9 ERA in the month of July. Yippee. Um, but the thing, like, I'm seeing with Scott Barlow is that I actually really do think that what's going on with him is concerning because you're talking about a guy who was, you know, he, he never had super high velocity in the first place. He never threw like high nineties or anything. He threw mid nineties at best. And it was really the breaking stuff that got him by. He got by with all of that because he had not only great breaking pitches, but plus or even plus plus command of said breaking pitches. He knew exactly where that thing was going to go. Doesn't matter how much it moved. And batters just had no idea what to do with it. It's like They just look at it and they're like, I'm dumb. So that's why Scott Barlow was so great. But now this season, like half the time he, the ball comes out of his hand and, you, and it's like now no one knows where it's going to go. Which is not a good thing. He has no idea where it's going to go. He has a, he has, he's walking over five batters over nine innings this game. He's walking like half a batter per inning, which is just not good. Him throwing so all over the place like this is just the complete opposite of what we would expect from Scott Barlow. What we, what we should assume and expect from Scott Barlow. So, sure, there is some bad luck involved with his game. He does have a really, really high bat up this season. It's 364. That's 64 points higher than it should be. So that's maybe not his fault. He does have a 3.64 FIP still, which is actually basically right in line with how it has been for his entire career, basically. Last year is 3.62. So maybe there is still something fine with Scott Barlow, and it really just has been just classic 2023 Kansas City Royals luck that has run into him over this last month or so. But I just still, just like looking at the way he's throwing now, I'm not entirely sure that it's all bad luck. I actually really do think that he has just degraded in not only the quality of his pitches, but the control of his pitches as well. And that's a problem. So whether or not he gets traded, honestly, this is like a coin flip at this point. We thought this was going to be a 100% guarantee going into July. Now it's like, I don't know. Maybe we just let him pitch the rest of the season and then revisit this in the winter. Maybe he actually goes into next season on the Royals and they try again at the next deadline. However, jumping ahead of myself a little bit, I actually think that they should just cut losses. They should just cut ties with Scott Barlow cut their losses, trade him for whatever is available, whatever teams are offering him, because now Carlos Hernandez should be the closer. That's that's like the the, the biggest takeaway from Scott Barlow right now, is that I, honestly, he's kind of irrelevant, which is which he shouldn't be. He should be very relevant, but 
I think that he represents, or rather, he's like the microcosm of the Royals front office mismanagement over the last seven plus years, or I don't know, maybe infinity years, however long you think that this uh, stretch of terribleness from the front office has gone on. Because Scott Barlow, he should have been traded, I mean, maybe he should have been traded in 2021 because he was one of the best relievers in baseball in that season. He wasn't. Came Comes back next year is just as good, if not better, in 2022, definitely should have been traded at the deadline that year, wasn't. Now he now he's still here, and he has a 5.35 ERA as a closer, which is just awful. Who wants that? I don't know. But for what it's worth, Dayton Moore has influenced this team all the way up until this year. So how much can we really blame J.J. Piccolo or whoever else is in charge right now? I'm not entirely sure. So I, I'd actually be willing to just kind of forgive the Royals, forgive J.J. Piccolo for, you know, messing up with Scott Barlow. Maybe it's not really his fault. Let's just move on and see how we can make this right moving forward. Make Carlos Hernandez the closer right now and then trade him next season at the deadline. If not this season, which is something that I've been like arguing with people, <laughs> arguing about online, because um, that's always a, a lot of fun arguing with people on the internet. I think that Scott, I think that Carlos Hernandez absolutely should be the closer right now. If he gets traded this season, like if there's a deal in place, if they, if the Royals can get something out of him right now, okay, go for it. I'm not against it whatsoever. I'm just thinking maybe we haven't seen the best of Carlos Hernandez. I mean, we were talking a lot, like in the early parts of the season, how he was actually getting really unlucky. So I'm thinking, let him settle into the closer role, pitch the rest of the season as that, and then go into next season with the same thing. And I think we'll have an even better reliever on the team, and he can be even more valuable as a trade piece later on. Every year we seem to, we it's like, oh, this is a really good reliever market. We should trade him right now. But like, like, the last three seasons have been a really good reliever market. Like, every single team out there needs relievers. Or at least any competent team needs relievers. Like, there is no team that is looking at themselves saying, yeah, we're good. We don't really need any more pitching right now. We'll we'll, we'll take it from here. So, I'm a little bit confident, and I say a little bit because, frankly, no one should listen to anything that I say, <laughs> that... Carlos Hernandez, he can be held on to, and he'll be even more valuable next season because he'll have more experience as a reliever, and he's still going to have a ton of team control left. It's not like like Scott Barlow, you know, practically needs to be traded because he's going to be a free agent after next season. Carlos Hernandez isn't a free agent for like five years, so I think it's fine. Like again, I am not against trading Carlos Hernandez this season. Basically, right now, if the Royals think that it's that it's a good idea, if they have a good return for him, sure, go for it. But I don't think it's mandatory. That's the thing that I'm saying. Because I see all these people saying, like, oh, they need to trade Carlos Hernandez right now. Trade him right now. I'm like, ah, I, I, I think they can afford to hold on to this. But I won't die on this hill. Let's talk about the rest of the game that happened on Friday. Um, so... so we did have some pretty good offense throughout the the entire game. Kyle Isbell homered in the third inning, which was great. And in the sixth, Michael Garcia tripled, hit a triple with two outs. Bases empty, two outs. He hits a triple. And then Bobby Wood Jr. doubles him in. And then, which well, actually, actually, he doubled him in. It was initially ruled as a home run. It wasn't. It was overturned and as a double. Oh, well. But then MJ Melendez kind of makes up for that by singling him in. So... With two outs, you got three, you got two extra base hits right there and a second one, and, and or rather a third hit for a second RBI, which is just great. Love to see that. Bobby Wood Jr. was especially clutch in this game. He went four for five with six RBIs. Royals won this game eight to five. They needed six runs. Bobby Wood Jr. put up six runs by himself. Well, technically not by himself because some guys had to get on base and shout out to them, but Bobby Wood Jr. was super clutch in this game. As we all know, in the 10th inning, things were looking not so good because, you know, Scott Barlow couldn't get the, the two-run save. He ended up letting the Twins tie the game. And then in the top of the 10th inning, they scored again with the ghost runner rule. I'm not really going to get mad at Taylor Clark for giving up a run there because, again, ghost runner sort of thing. But that's pretty unfortunate. Had a two-run lead. 
instead, uh, going into the ninth inning, instead we might lose this game. But in the 10th inning, Nicky Lopez draws a walk, and then Michael Garcia draws a walk. And this is with, you know, the ghost runner already there. Kyle Isbell actually stole third, which was unnecessary, but really cool that he did that anyway. So shout out to him for that. And with one out, Bobby Wood Jr. <laughs> swings at the first pitch. And it was just like, a oh, my God, it was so bad. Like, it was a swing that even he knew was stupid because he kind of had this really terrible follow through. And he's just like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> It was well outside of the zone. He just came in way too aggressive. And I'm, I'm like just screaming at my screen. I'm like, what are you doing? This guy just walked two batters. Why would you swing at the first pitch? But for what it's worth, he calmed down after that. He calmed down, saw a couple more pitches, got some fouls, worked a full count. And then on a 102 mile an hour pitch, at the hands, he drives it out of the park for a walk-off grand slam. 102 miles an hour inside at the hands. That is not normal. This guy is not normal. You are not supposed to do that. And he did it. He literally he he literally did the impossible. I mean that because that has never happened before. No one has homered off a pitch that fast that was out of the strike zone, let alone inside, according to David Adler on Twitter. Shout out to him. It's tied for the fifth fastest pitch hit for a home run in or out of the zone. And this is since pitch tracking was invented in 2008, so the last 15 years. This is ridiculous. This is why Bobby Witt Jr. has always been heralded as such a special player. The things that he is capable of doing are mind-blowing. So we've been kind of hoping and expecting for Bobby Witt Jr. to, you know, have a better second half. Not that he even had a bad first half or anything, but we... we hmm. We've really kind of, like, nitpicked Bobby Witt Jr., frankly, because expectations for this guy were so high and everything this season has been just so bad that it feels disappointing that we haven't had some kind of, you know, special player do some stuff that, you know, J-Rod and Adley have done for their teams. They, you know, they show up and they immediately solve all the team's problems. It's like, wow, everything's so much better with this guy around. You know, Bobby Wood Jr. hasn't really been that. He has simply been pretty good throughout his time in the majors. But it really does look like he is starting to become what we've wanted him to be. Not that I expect him to solve all the team's problems because, my God, do we have issues right now. But at the very least, I think it's we can confidently say he is not responsible for them. He is above it all. And man, is it fun watching him play right now. So in this absolutely terrible, no good very bad season that we've had. That game felt special in a way. It felt like something really, really cool happened that we can all remember positively for <laughs> forever, basically. And then on Saturday, Royals won 10 to 7. Jordan Lyles, he did it. He won a second game this season. Let's freaking go. He is now 2 and 12. Look at him go. We are also He's actually, he, he is now ahead of Zach Greinke in the pitching wins race because Zach Greinke is 1-11. Jordan Lyles is 2-12. That's kind of depressing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, poor Zach Greinke. Anyway, uh, Jordan Lyles, he just kind of was him. Five innings, three earned runs. Eh, whatever. But then, of course, five innings. Once again, you got to go to the bullpen for four innings. That sucks. Jose Quas was ass. Gives up a leadoff home run. He gets an out. He records an out. But then he doubles or gets doubled, gets walked, gets singled. So Dylan Coleman has to come out and extinguish this. He immediately hits a batter. <laughs> so thanks. But then he gets a double play. Um, I don't know if Dylan Coleman is like fixed now 
because he also had a scoreless inning on Sunday, and that was great. It was actually, it was a good inning. It was a scoreless inning, two strikeouts. It was great. But he's only throwing 96. And velocity was a big thing with Coleman. So not entirely sure what the deal is with him. I really hesitate to say that he's back back, but at the very least, he has been pitching decently since returning. So that's fine. Um, And also, we had Scott Barlow appear in this game. Maybe this is actually his last appearance as a Royal. He gave up He gave up a leadoff single. Oh, joy. But then he got two strikeouts and a flyout. So it was fine. It was a good outing. Yay! We like that. Okay. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., after hitting a Grand Slam on Friday, followed it up with another 4-for-5 game. Three RBIs. He was a double shy of the cycle. And if only he could have had the double he had on, on Friday. I feel like he would... Uh, appreciate some kind of trade for uh, some of the for, for some of this. But yeah, he came up super clutch once again. Salvi had a nice little game. He hasn't been hitting well at all in July, but for at least this game, he went 2 for 4 with a walk, a rare Salvi walk. Imagine that. He had a he had a ribby of his own. Drew Waters went 2 for 4. He tripled and got a double uh, and got an RBI from uh, uh, of of his own. Completely stumbled on my words right there. Jesus. Michael Massey went two for five with a home run. We love to see that. And Kyle Isbell also went four for five. He was trying to outdo Bobby Wood Jr. He's like, hey, I'm going to have a four-hit game too. Why not? Why do you get to hog the spotlight? He had two RBIs of his own. The team overall went five for 15 with runners in scoring position. Which might not seem great because it's like, oh man, that's 10 opportunities that they, you know, 10 outs that they had with runners in scoring position. But I mean, they scored 10 runs in the game. So they had runners in scoring position a lot. Having five successes in a game is pretty good. So really good effort from the team overall, especially since they were they were against uh, like Bailey Ober, I think, who was actually a, like a good pitcher. Like this was this wasn't, you know, the twins sending out their their C, C, their C team on the, on the pitching staff. This was like one of their better pitchers. In fact, rather, the whole Twins rotation is good. So, yeah. But this guy had had an ERA that began with a two going into this game. And, uh, yeah, they actually like hit the crap out of him. Four innings pitched, six earned runs. Yeah, he had a terrible game against the fearsome Kansas City Royals in 2023. It's a great game there. And then on Sunday... Royals actually cool down with the offense. Both teams cool down with the offense. But they win 2-1. to one. Ryan goddamn Yarbrough is at it again. Just adding to his stretch of dominance that he's had since shattering his face a few months ago. He went seven innings, gave up one earned run, struck out five, and only threw 78 pitches. So he didn't even throw all that much, but I agree that he should have been taken out of the game. I would not trust Ryan Yarbrough, you know, going that deep into the game. But since returning from the injured list, he's pitched 24.2 innings and only given up six earned runs. That's a 2.19 ERA and also a 3.36 FIP. So there's no, there are no like, there, there's no like stretch of luck that is helping him out with, um, with the pitching this season. Or, or, or rather, at least part of throughout this stretch, he's only walked two batters, which is the most impressive thing about all of this, and given up two home runs, two eighty-eight BABIP. So yeah, there is no, there are no like big red flags with what Ryan Yarbrough is doing. Yeah, his pitches don't really do anything, but he just seems to know he seems to know what to do with them enough so that hitters don't really know what to do with them either. I don't know how exactly it works, but. He is he has really produced results. So Royals, I really hope trade him for I don't know some forty grade prospect in high A ball. Call it a day. Good job, good free agent signing. I had zero expectations for this guy whatsoever. He has fully and completely exceeded them. But of course, you know because the Royals are the Royals, they're probably just going to like hold on to him, thinking like, hey, he's got another year of arbitration left. I think right. Actually, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, he does. So he's going to come back next season, probably. <laughs> I'm laughing, but that's probably really what they're going to do, and that is so dumb. <laughs> oh man. 
Um, and like I said, Dylan Coleman pitched a scoreless eighth, so shout out to him. Carlos Hernandez pitched a scoreless ninth, got two strikeouts, and it's his first career save. We love to see it. Love that for him. Hope that it will be the first of several more. I would say many more, but again, he should be traded probably within the next 365 days, give or take. And sure, the Royals' bats didn't really do much in this game. They only scored two runs, but one of them was thanks to a Freddie Fermin home run. Freddie Fermin is just such a freaking baller this season. Like, I don't know where this dude came from. I don't know why he's so good. I don't know if this is some kind of surge that will eventually cool off. He does have a 352 BABIP, so sure, that will cool down, but still, like a 4.5% home run rate. Like, like, he's not, like, I'm sure, like, sure, he'll cool down, but I don't even think he'll be all that bad when he cools down. He'll probably still be a pretty solid hitter in the lineup. So shout out to Freddie Fermin for just being a really nice, pleasant surprise this season. And Nicky Lopez singled, which in and of itself wasn't much, but Michael Garcia was able to bring him in with an RBI double. So that was it. That's all the Royals needed to do to win this game. Usually they lose games in, like this, going, you know, they usually go the opposite direction. They lose 2-1 to one because they themselves just couldn't really do anything. But nope, this is one that they were able to eke out, and it's a series sweep, baby. First three-game winning streak of the season. So next up, we're going to talk about the Nicky Lopez trade that happened last night after the game. But before we do that, there's something that I've got to add to the show. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Thank you very much for your patience. <sighs> so, Royals traded Nicky Lopez. It's a little bit sad, but we expected it to some degree. I was kind of, you know, back and forth with it. I thought, you know, if the Royals can trade him, they should. But I wouldn't mind if Nicky Lopez stayed around because... He's just a nice guy to have around. You know, Nicky Lopez, he really is that kind of player that the Royals think that they're describing with some guys. Like the, you know, head down, plays for the team, great teammate, great guy to have around and all that, works really hard. You know, you hear that about basically everybody. But Nicky Lopez really and truly was that. He really was a guy that would just put the team before himself and just do whatever he could to help out. The thing is, he probably knew, I mean, of course he knew, that there were lots of things that he couldn't do. He frankly wasn't really a very good hitter. He had absolutely zero power whatsoever. He just could not swing for the fences. And I guess if he, if he did, wouldn't really do a whole lot. So, he didn't really try very much. He, he wouldn't try to be a hitter. He wouldn't mind laying down a sacrifice bunt just to get the runner over because that's just what needs to happen instead of him hitting, trying to hit a home run or something like that. And this season, it really seems like he's just decided, hey, you know what? I'm just like not going to, you know, try swinging at pitches very much anymore because clearly, you know, when I do swing at pitches, it doesn't really do anything. So I'm just going to kind of like lay off on that. And I'm going to just try getting on base that way instead. And it's been admirable because he's walked 11% of the time this season. So he knows what he's capable of, even if it isn't super admirable, even if, it's, even if it isn't all that covetable, I suppose. 
I really appreciate about that. I really respect him for, for all that. And then, of course, he was a good clubhouse guy. You know, liked to speak on the behalf of the team, but not really, you know, making his voice the loudest, necessarily. Just a guy who would stand up for his mates. That's awesome. He was the first one to kind of, uh, you know, take the lead after the mass exodus that we had in July of last year in Toronto. He was the first one to speak up, and he, he was a little he he was the one to step up and be like, "All right, I'm 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 going to be the guy. No one else is going to be the guy on this team. I'm going to be the guy." And then, of course, there's also the fact that he plays plus plus shortstop, so that's awesome. And he can move around the bag. He plays fantastic second base pretty good third base as well, and the Royals have even gotten a little bit cute, put him in left field, put him in first base on Sunday, just like, why not? They're just like, hey, let's just have Nicky Lopez play like every position. Let's just put him wherever. Why not? And you know what? Yeah, why not? I think that's a good idea. So, Royals traded this guy, and that sucks for the fans because we've really grown attached to this guy. I've grown particularly attached to this guy, but hey, if there's a good deal in place, if if the Royals can get, you know, just any kind of prospect for Nicky Lopez, I think that would be fine. Because, you know, Nicky Lopez, just frankly, putting it all together, is not very good of a player. And I mean that with no disrespect, but, you know, baseball, it is what it is. We, we deal with objectives. And when Nicky Lopez is just not really a very good hitter, at the end of the day, it's just it just says, all right, this guy's not very good. He's also an arbitration player. He's already in his second year of arbitration because he gets four years of arbitration because of the six-war season that he had in 2021. He's already making almost $4 million. So arbitration, that only goes up each and every year. So next season, you're, you're going into next season thinking, you know, you're going to have to pay this guy like, I don't know, $4.5 million for maybe one win off the bench. You really want to do that? I don't know. Basically trying to say that Nicky Lopez could have been a non-tender candidate in this offseason. So if the Royals can get anything out of him, then that'd probably be within their interest. And so they do. They trade him for left-handed pitcher Taylor Hearn from the Atlanta Braves. Who is Taylor Hearn? Well, here's the thing. This guy is not a prospect. He is not a prospect at all. He's not even a newcomer to baseball. As a matter of fact, he's also a four-year arbitration player who's in his second year. So far in Major League Baseball, he's pitched 229.1 innings, and he has a 5.26 ERA. That's who the Royals get for Nicky Lopez, a guy with, I think, maybe two years of control left and a five ERA. Um, And also, it gets better, by the way. This guy isn't even really from the Braves organization. He pitched exactly one out for the Braves. Not one inning. One out. Because a week ago, Braves picked him up for, I believe, cash considerations. He came from the Rangers organization and was placed on waivers or designated for assignment. Braves purchased his contract, and that's it. So, this was a guy that was available to the Royals... Available to every team in baseball just a week ago. And the Royals traded a player for him instead. Instead, like the Royals could have just picked him up a week ago and just been like, all right, we just have this guy now. Instead, another team picked him up and then the Royals decided that they wanted to play catch up. So they're going to trade Nicky Lopez. Now. Like I said, Nicky Lopez is not a very good player. So, me being upset about this trade 
doesn't exactly mean that, you know, I feel like the Royals have missed out on some kind of crazy golden opportunity. Because this, this is what I hear a lot of. Like, people are saying, oh, people are upset about Nicky Lopez, think that he, he was a valuable player and could have brought back something better. Like, okay, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe Nicky Lopez wouldn't have brought back anything better. I like giving the benefit of the doubt when it comes to trades. Because trades are a two-way thing. It's easy for us to say, hey, we should have done this when, you know, it's another team that has to decide that along with us. Like, people were saying, hey, we should have held on to Amir Garrett or, you know, how how could the Royals not have gotten anything out of Amir Garrett? Well, I don't know. Maybe ask the Cleveland Guardians who don't even have Amir Garrett pitching in their in their major league team right now. Yeah, yeah. Amir Garrett was picked up by the Guardians and put into their minor league system. So maybe, really and truly, the Royals just could not get anything out of this guy. And they knew that. And that's why they simply released him. But back to Nicky Lopez. I mean, however pessimistically we might feel about him, what what is the point of trading him for a player who is actually arguably even worse? Nicky Lopez this season so far has a 1.1 war. Taylor Hearn has negative 0.4. He is a negative player, and he is a career negative player, while Nicky Lopez is not. What is the point of this swap? You know, the, the, the problem isn't that the Royals didn't get a haul for Nicky Lopez. If Nicky Lopez was traded for, like, some 25-year-old in A, honestly, I don't think anybody would have really questioned it all that much. Like last, last year, when Cam Gallagher was a traded for, I think, Brent Rooker. Yeah, remember when Brenton Rooker was here and then he was like really good for him? Oh, let's not get into that. But anyway, it's like, okay, you know, it's just, it, it's it's whatever. You know, it's a, it's a move, probably doesn't mean much, but at least it feels like there was some kind of attempt right there. The Royals traded Nicky Lopez for a player who is worse than him and is actually slightly older than him, believe it or not, and has just as much or little team control depending on how you look at it. It's like, 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 this is a lateral move at best, and it's hard to see it as a lateral move. It is so weird that they did this. And and the thing is, like, even if you want to say, okay, well, maybe the Royals really like what they see with Taylor Hearn. Maybe they really think that they, uh, you know, can unlock something with this guy. You know, maybe this will be like Cole Reagans. I was not really a, a fan of the Cole Reagans return. You know, I, I didn't really enjoy how the Royals were, you know, getting an MLB-ready prospect, essentially, or rather not even a prospect at this point. You know, they're prioritizing the Major League roster for some reason. That's what they did with Cole Reagans. That's, that's especially what they're doing with this guy. And I really don't like that. But, hey, let's, you know, be optimistic and say maybe Taylor Hearn will actually pitch really well with the Royals. Maybe the coaches actually know what to do with this guy, and he'll be good. Okay, then why didn't you pick him up on waivers a week ago? Why didn't you just do that? You literally don't have a left-handed pitcher in your bullpen right now. Just get him. You could have just done that. It is so strange. And, you know, the worst thing about this is that this is continuing something that was said earlier, like when they traded a role as Chapman. J.J. Piccolo said, yeah, you know, we're going to look for players that can help out on the major league level. Now, Piccolo has also said that, you know, he's trying to get guys that can help out at basically every level because, you know, Royals need help at every level. They need help at the major league level the least right now. That should not even be a priority. Just forget whatever is happening at the major league level. Build the farm system. Build rebuild stop trying to think hey you're gonna this is gonna turn around in a year or two because that's exactly what freaking Deaton Moore did every single year didn't matter how bad the team was in, in a given year he'd be like yeah you know what next year's gonna be a lot better so we're gonna get guys who are gonna contribute for next season <sighs> you know I I really gave JJ Piccolo the benefit of the doubt for a lot of things there are lots of things that I've, you know, excused because this is not the team that he really, this is not really the team that he built. He inherited this problem. That also being said, I've never really trusted him. I've had no reason to trust him. So I've been very skeptical of him. And this last month or so has made me think, 
oh my god, nothing is happening. Nothing is changing for the better. We're just doing the same thing that we've always done for the last several years, which is pretend like things are better than they actually are, and blindly assume that it will just get better in two years or so, and everything's going to be okay. No. I I I I want out. I am I am off. I'm out. Fire JJ Piccolo. I don't care anymore. Just get rid of him. You know, he he had a year, maybe that was maybe it's unfair to him, but we need something to really change. We need a true top to bottom change in mentality with the Kansas City Royals organization. I think that's what John Sherman wants. I feel like that's what he's demanded, but he's not getting it with JJ Piccolo. Just Get new guys in this front office right now. I don't trust whoever we have right now. Maybe this is really brash of me to say, but listen, when your team is this bad and then you trade a kind of okay replacement level player for a negative value player, yeah, you know what? I think that this is cause for alarm. I am officially alarmed. So that's how I feel about that. That's my uh, totally rational take on this. Although before I go, I wanted to, I was just very randomly curious about something because I was just, you know, looking at baseball reference. I was just looking at the roster and I remembered, hey, you know, Josh Taylor exists. Remember when we traded Adalberto Mondesi for Josh Taylor and that was just kind of a lateral move at best as well? You know, just trying to, just trying to make something happen, I suppose. Wonder whatever happened to Mondesi. Well, nothing has happened with Mondesi. Mondesi is still dead, basically, so... Don't worry about, you know, giving up Mondesi for nothing or anything. However, thing is, the Royals didn't just trade Mondesi for Josh Taylor. They actually threw in another player. They threw in a a, a player to be named later, later, and that turned out to be a guy named Angel Pierre, who right now is a 19-year-old shortstop. And in rookie ball, let's take this with a grain of salt. It's rookie ball, okay? 28 games, 106 plate appearances. He's hitting 247 with a 434 on base percentage. Only an 811 OPS, which is, you know, maybe disappointingly low given that on base percentage, 377 slugging. He hasn't hit a home run in rookie ball so far. But still, a 434 on base. And you combine that with last year. He's actually played 61 games so far in professional ball. And he has a career 429 on base percentage. Yeah, you know, I mean, look. Could be nothing. But the Royals just kind of like gave that guy away because they wanted to get Adalberto Mondesi off their roster. It's just some random guy that they, you know, threw in as a tra- as a as a nothing burger trade. They couldn't at least get something like that in return for Nicky Lopez. You know, a, a player that's actually well respected within this town and is, you know, accumulated some value. Again, I I'm not saying Nicky Lopez is great. In fact, I'm saying it's even more likely now that he's on an actually competitive team that is going to be more cautious about their payroll. He's going to get non-tendered in this offseason. So he's essentially just a rental. But man, the Royals couldn't just get a player to be named later like that. They couldn't just get some super low-level lottery ticket for that. How in the world do you lose a Nicky Lopez trade? That's, That's my question. That's my thing. Right now, it just seems like I, I I just don't really have any confidence in this front office, just based on what they've done over the last several months. I've given them the the benefit of the doubt of the lo- of, on a lot of things. I don't blame you know JJ Piccolo for not um you know signing free agents because it's not like he's the one deciding the payroll. I don't think the Jordan Lyles signing was as bad as it you know it was made out to be. The Aroldis Chapman signing was actually really good. And so far, the Ryan Yarbrough trade has been surprisingly really good as well. We thought that, you know, he hired the guy, the right guys. He at least fulfilled some criteria. He, he got a manager that came from a good organization, a bench coach that came from a good organization, pitching coaches that came from good organizations, things like that. You know, it's like on paper, he did a lot of things right. But the actual 
process with the players has been abysmal. And that is the most important thing. So I am off of the JJ train. I think we need a new general manager. They need to do this this winter. And that also includes the, you know, the very, very strange draft that they had. I did not like the draft that they had this season. Lots of people are not liking the draft they had this season. Yeah. And also, the past couple of drafts haven't been all that good. Gavin Cross hasn't been all that good. Frank Mazzucato, my favorite prospect right now, um, he hasn't been very good. He's still throwing 90 miles an hour in high A ball. He should be better than that right now. The whole point of drafting Frank Mazzucato was that he was going to build and add velocity. He has not built or added velocity. So, you know, forgive me for thinking that, you know, some people should not be allowed to have their jobs anymore because I just don't think they're very good at them. But who am I to say all this? I'm just a random guy on the internet with a microphone. I'm going to head out for today. I'm not going to do a series preview um, against the Mets. We're going we're gonna to meet the Mets who are 50 and 55 and I'm not, and I'm skimping out on this because I have no idea who is going to be on the Mets when we actually play them on Tuesday. There's, they seem to be in sell mode. Uh, they, they, you know, spent like two hundred trillion dollars in free agency and then realized that's not exactly how it works. So, um, yeah, they're just trying to get rid of everybody now. It seems so. That's cool. Whatever team we uh end up playing throughout this week, we'll talk about it whenever we get there. Uh, I'll come back on Friday and talk about whatever happened, and I'm sure there will be more trades made. Wish I could say that I was looking forward to them. Now I'm kind of, like, concerned about them. We'll see. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. If you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate it if you left a rating, left a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, or you can also... Give me direct feedback at Royal Deluxe Pod. That's the podcast Twitter, or at the MFNKC. Casey. That's my own personal Twitter. And also, further inquiries can be sent to Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you for whatever reason, but you know, if you don't do any of those things, no hard feelings. I love you all the same. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. Hope you all have a good week. See you on Friday, and until then, I'm Lux, and despite my attitude sometimes, go Royals! Maybe a four-game streak next time. That would be funny.